0: This is the Hockey News podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Hockey News podcast. I'm Steven Ellis. That's Ryan Kennedy.
0: Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Well, you know what? I uh, played Super Smash Brothers online for the first oh. time. Oh. Yes, apparently I am not very good. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I won once. Okay. And it was in over. It was sudden death, and it's amazing because you know my kids have been playing, and my one uh, my one kid plays online. He does all right, yep. even though he's young. And I figured like, yeah, I've been I've always been good at video games, and I'm really good at Tetris online. I am not good at Super Smash Bros. online. I fall off a lot of cliffs.
1: So one of the very first games I ever remember playing was on the GameCube and it was Super Smash Bros. And I haven't played a lot since, like, i played the Wii version. I haven't Mm -hmm. played the Switch version. And uh, as was mentioned before, um, we started here, I I ordered a Steam Deck for anyone who follows that uh stuff and uh I, i've been trying some switch games obviously that's uh if it's legal who knows but uh it's been kind of fun to kind of play it on like a different uh system like i tried playing Mario Kart on my steering wheel that i have for sim racing mm. and it's a horrible experience i don't <laughs> recommend it uh even a racing game without a wheel it, it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you play Mario Kart but yeah, uh, yeah. uh and uh yeah there's a lot of hockey coming up too gonna be yeah. nice doing a bunch of AHL, OHL, NHL. I mean, the OHL Cup's coming soon, and the U14 OHL Cup.
0: Yeah, that's like a little young for me. I feel like unless you work for an OHL team, there's not a lot of value in that, but should it should be fun nonetheless for the kids.
1: I've heard that age group's pretty solid, but this year's... OHL draft class, and we'll we'll have a lot more about that later. Going Mm -hmm. on, not on this podcast probably, but uh, there's a lot of people talking about how strong or how deep this class is, Mm -hmm. and uh, the OHL draft's always interesting because just the player pool size is typically so much bigger than you see um, in terms of pure talent, and uh, then maybe at the other levels, and it's also kind of local to us, which makes it easy. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it's also something where uh, it's I don't know, it's always so much fun to go watch that OHL Cup final. I
0: love, yeah, I love the OHL Cup final. And well, just the tournament in general. I usually try to get out to a day or two. Beforehand. I'll be there every day. <laughs> You'll be there every day, yeah. And I know there's a couple of kids that are considering exceptional status this year, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there because that's always a contentious issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, good time to show up. Also, one final note on uh, Nintendo. I learned through Super Smash Brothers that apparently I've been saying Ryu from Street oh. Fighter's name wrong. For 30 years. Okay. Because I always assumed it was Ryu. Maybe because my name is Ryan. But they call him Ryu in the game. And they are the game. So I assume they're correct. Who's your character? Uh, Usually Samus from Metroid. That's a good one. That's like the most conservative. If I'm playing a level that I don't think I can fall off a cliff, (laughs) then I, I do like Ryu. I also like Ridley, the bad guy from Metroid. He's fun. So the GameCube and Wii era for me was always Kirby. Is Kirby still in it? Kirby's still in it, and I hate playing against Kirby because yes. he swallows me. Yeah,
1: and yes. does like the thing where he like turns into a rock and it comes down yes. again. So there's your Super Smash Bros. talk for the week. Let's talk about hockey, though. Sure. And let's start with Patrick Laine. Uh, this is a guy that gets brought up so many times on this podcast along in the last couple of years. Usually it's about his contract, and surprise, you've got a contract to talk about soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is someone who, when he's good, he's really good. And this year has been the really good year, but then he's had a lot of kind of down moments and this is something where his contract is always so interesting because like you know when he's playing good his, his seven million dollar value makes sense but then you get these seasons where like last year was kind of rough or the year before and 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 still, like, we're talking about a guy that in a rough year is still scoring over 20 goals a year. So like, mm. he's still got the value. But it's like he's been able to score 40. He's been able to score 30. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe doing that a couple times in your career doesn't necessarily mean you can be able to do it the rest of your career. And obviously, like, it depends on the situation you're playing in. But when you're looking at this guy and what his contract might look like, what are your thoughts kind of
0: there? I feel based on how he's played this season and his age – And his sort of contract status, because I believe he's 24 years old right now. I feel like this is the time that you go all in on Patrick Line. I think what you do is you try to get him for kind of like eight and a quarter or 8.5 million, and you do it over, let's say, seven years. Maybe you don't go eight because he's your own guy. Maybe you go seven. Um, And then you're getting all of Patrick Line's, you know, Like, that's going to be all good, Patrick Line. assuming he doesn't have the ups and downs. I I feel like he's found his level in Columbus. Last year, very weird situation. You know, not only do you get traded, but then you have to quarantine. There's, like, border issues that were out of his hands. So, you know, he didn't really get on track. It was kind of a, you know, a, a mucky season for the Blue Jackets anyways. But I look at Columbus right now, You've got guys like Sillinger and Chinakoff finding their way in the NHL. You got Kent Johnson coming up. You know, he's still at the University of Michigan, hasn't even started his NHL career yet. So you're getting the semblance of a new offense. And Patrick Laine, obviously, a keystone for that offense, you know, because he is that goal scorer. He is that pure shooter. He's the guy that can be deadly on your power play for years. So I, I feel that it's time to kind of. Take a bit of a leap of faith, and and give him that big deal because other you know outside of Zach Wierenski, you don't have a lot of big long term deals for big money in Columbus. You know Voracek's got a couple more years, but other than that, you know like you've got the space. Why not use it and and send a message to Patrick Line that you want him to be part of the solution and you want him to be one of the focal points, if not the focal point of the offense. So.
1: Yeah, it, it's something where, like again, like the Blue Jackets need him to be this this key piece. Like you trade away a guy like Dubois to get him, and this is someone who has to be the key. Uh, a new coach kind of seems to have sparked things here. Obviously, it's the Tortorella situation there maybe didn't really kind of fit his yeah. mold there, but now he's looking comfortable. And it's something where you mentioned some of the young guys are coming through, and uh, I know Tache was a guy that I was kind of hoping would be a bit more than he he's ended up becoming. Mm. That would have given them more depth. So. You, as this team's still not a contender, they're going to build the pieces around him to get him what you need. It's whether or not you sign him to the eight-year contract or seven-year contract at seven million or higher, and then he ends up going like the Jeff Skinner route, and it's just you never know what year is good and what year is bad. So, I, I, I it's tough. I, I think that he's got the, the talent to be a star, and we, we, it seems like we've again we talk about this every single year in the podcast. It's like it, it's it's. He just needs the things to click. He's got the skill. He's got that's working now. But is this going to be something where next year, if the team's still not good, is he just going to suck again? Is he mm. is he another forward injury away from not having him to play with at this point? It's kind of like I, I. But I do agree. It's someone where you you I think you got to show the commitment to him. He's been playing on these one year deals. Show the commitment. Let him kind of relax. And it's a market where. Like, he's a big personality, he's a cool guy. Well, I shouldn't say cool, but he's a fun guy that he, yeah. the Blue Jackets are having a fun time with him. He's a fan favorite there. Yeah. And he has that opportunity to grow there without having the pressure that maybe a Canadian market would have had when he was still in Winnipeg.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing too is you don't want to go with you know a shorter term deal that takes him right to unrestricted free agency because we've seen in the past, Columbus has had trouble holding on to their stars. So I would rather have that security yeah. Of saying, okay, we're all in on the rest of your prime years. And then from there, you know, once you're 32 or whatever, we see if, you know, you want to be a Blue Jacket for even longer.
1: And this is a team that feels like it's almost been rebuilding since day one. Um, and, like, they've... They- once Rick Nash left, they brought they had Ryan O'Hanson, who was in there for long, Seth Jones, who was good for a while, then they traded him. So they need kind of this face of the franchise, he mm. could be there. Well, Renski's obviously there. Yeah. Renski's still such a huge piece. But you need that big offensive guy who can really change things. Liney can be that guy. Yeah. It's just, mm. is he going to be that every single year? And mm. I think that's a big question. The next question. Uh, it's another guy that's uh, been in trade rumors for a few years. Um, but uh, this is obviously a different situation. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. A popular trade target, depending on who you believe, is either going to be traded or stay in Chicago. Those are literally the only two Mm -hmm. options available. Um, If he is to move, where does he go and what price?
0: Okay. Now, I I feel at this point he's going to stay because when I was looking at potential suitors, there's really not that many. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're a good team, you probably already have a good goalie. Um, Colorado could. (laughs) There's the argument there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, But you know, Colorado's been doing. Pretty good, Mm -hmm. of late. Yeah, That's not a concern. Uh, Yeah, it's not a concern for them. Uh, And, you know, you also have to consider cap space. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury, I think, makes seven. Mm -hmm. Um, So if he were to move, I would be looking at Edmonton and maybe Washington. You know, Washington, you know, Vanacek has kind of been their guy. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, do they think he can be their guy for a really long playoff run? Or is he the guy until... Sam Sonoff figures it out in the NHL. Hard to say. That's a Washington question. But let's say, for example, the Caps were to pull the trigger on Fleury. And, you know, obviously you, you got to make the money work and whatnot. But I'd be looking at, you know, if I'm Chicago, I want a first rounder. And then I want a goalie back that I can use right away just for the rest of the season at least. So whether that's Zach Focale or Fionnus Copley, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody... You know, that you have long term designs on. Although, you know, maybe Ficali, I mean, he's shown really well in mm-hmm. sort of spot duty for the caps. I just want somebody that can sort of play with Kevin Lankin until you get to the summer and figure things out from there. Um, Edmonton, very similar situation where, you know, we know they need a goaltender. Zero projected
1: cap space according to Cap
0: friendly Yeah. And again, yeah, again. So, you know, cap space, big questions here. I think with Edmonton, they offer a first and then maybe Miko Koskinen, um, which gives you some cap ballast because I think he's four and a half. Um, And then, you know, you get your first. Chicago gets a goalie that is up this summer, so you don't really have any commitment to him, but he's a warm body for the rest of the season. Him and Lankanen can play. Um, And, you know, because, again, you know, you're not going to get too much for Fleury, I don't think, because he's an expensive rental. So I'm looking at, I want a first rounder and I want some kind of goalie back. I'm not sure, it'd be great to get a prospect as well, but I'm not sure the market's big enough for that right now.
1: It's almost like the Blackhawks are going to be taking a loss, kind of no matter what. I'm, like 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 you say, it's going to be good to get a prospect on top of it. And you've got a guy who literally won the Vezin Trophy last year. And it, while, while his stats aren't fantastic this year, he's playing on a team that's not good. and It's a bad defensive team. It's, yeah, it's a bad <laughs> defensive team that is not improving as the season goes on. So for that, I, I can't really hold it against them. The Oilers do seem like a great fit for him, mm. but they, they're mm. so close to the cap. What do they trade? Um, that's something where it's like you can't offer a goalie <laughs> because the goalie options are not going to be like, like cost maybe, but it's like, does anyone really want that contract? Um, uh, i kind of like the idea of Washington though. Cause maybe they do offer up one of their goalies. What if it is Samson off? What if he's, you know what? Okay, maybe it's not working here in Washington, but we know you're a good goalie here. You can go be the undisputed number one, basically in Chicago. Mm. Assuming they believe that. And, and or and maybe that's where he ends up thriving. Um, but at the same time, you're, it's a, it's a goalie situation where you don't typically see high-paid starting goalies traded at the trade deadline because you are typically having to give a lot for something that might not even work out for you. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's it's. A lot of risk associated here with this. It's something where you can trade a lot of pieces. And again, uh, Edmonton being one team, Toronto being another team that's been rumored, Mm. and even Colorado to a point. But they're going to have to give away a key piece of either their future for what might not be the longest run or whatever. But it's a risk you got to be willing to take. That's why I like Washington, where it's something where, okay, we're not a favorite to win this. We had some struggles. Coltending's not been a strength of ours. We'll give one of our young guys. And this will give us our best chance of potentially winning the Stanley Cup. And and that could be the one piece. Like, Because the Caps got the talent. They They certainly do. They need the goaltending on a consistent basis.
0: Yeah. And, you know, they're in a tough division. um, But it does feel like the Caps window is closing. I know we've been saying that for a couple of years now. And and Ovechkin has sort of buoyed them. uh, And they've had some other guys step up at different times that have really helped. But, you know, it's an older squad. And I think, you know, they're in that position now where you say, like, Let's go. Let's try one more run, see what happens. The other sort of dark horse I would say is, you know, Freddie Anderson's a little banged up in Carolina. Mm -hmm. It's probably just a day to day thing. But like what if you get near the deadline and you're Carolina and, you know, Anderson turns out to be hurt more, you know, chronically. I think Carolina at that point has to be like, okay, no, no, we are in our window like this could be our year. We need to pull the trigger.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's very fair, and they've got pieces they could trade um, where they could probably even throw a decent defenseman out there and not lose a whole lot because of how solid they've got of a mm-hmm. group there. Um, yeah, no, Carolina's a pretty good fit there. Uh, we, we know Anderson, like there's been the struggles of getting past the first round, but we saw in Anaheim that when he's playing really good in the playoffs, he could be so big. And, yeah. and it's not like he was the reason the Leafs lost all those playoffs here. Yeah, he had some pretty poor moments, um, but he didn't even play last year. Um, but it's like there's been some poor moments along the way but it's like at the same time you look at the defense that team has employed in front of him in a lot of those playoff series mm-hmm. they should have won that series against Columbus for example like that, like Columbus near the bottom of the standings the Leafs near the top and, yeah. and that should have been a pretty clear who was better and it didn't end up being that case uh, the goaltending was simply better on the Blue Jackets and Corpo was obviously we talked on last week is a name that's been a lot of trade rumors um, but when you look at that it's like it's if a team's really serious about it being this year, if you can afford it, even if you've already got a solid goaltending, goaltender, maybe have a Flurry just as that insurance, and that's why Carolina seems like a really good fit, is just all you need. And you don't need to go out there and get a guy like Corpozado or a guy like Thomas Christ or any of the guys yeah. we mentioned last week. So uh, we'll see. Um, I'm completely unrelated from Flurry, but I just want to give a shout out to our awesome cover here for uh, Jonathan though. Uh, a lot of talk about him recently, and, Yeah, uh, but I just wanted to say uh, good job on Shea for the cover. I meant to mention that. Uh,
0: Speaking of Stanley Cup contenders, Florida there Panthers. You there, there's your segue.
1: They don't yeah. need a goaltender, though. They've, no, they've got a few good options. It doesn't seem to matter who plays for them this yeah. year. All right, next question, or next topic. Uh, Austin Matthews, uh, currently on pace for 59 goals. Can he hit 60? It's something where, you know, at the beginning of the year, it definitely seemed like very possible. Um, if he doesn't do you see him hitting 60 at some point in his career? Because that's a hard number to hit. I, I can't remember. Was it Ovechkin the last one to do it? I mean, probably. That sounds about right. But yeah. uh Stan goes, there was a few in a couple of years, but it's been a while since we got 60.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think he probably has the capability to do it, but I don't know if he actually will. I would pencil him in more for kind of like 55 goals because you get to a point at the end of the season where, you know, you're – if you're the Leafs, you're pretty much, you know, you're, you're guaranteed a playoff spot at this point. You're not sure who you're playing in the first round. You're not sure which spot in the division you're finishing. It's probably between second and fourth. You're going to get to some games late where if things are clinched, you might even sit Matthews out a game or two well, just to make that. sure he's healthy. I was
1: going to say, like the, the one thing the, the one theory I kind of had maybe down the stretch are for the teams, that the, they are going to do more load management this year because mm-hmm. it's been a while since we've had a full regular season. Very true. So that might be something where the teams might just be, okay, we'll give you a bit of a rest.
0: Yeah, maybe you have a couple of back-to-backs in a week where you say, okay, maybe... Austin, you play one of the games in that back-to-back. You play one of the games mm-hmm. in that back-to-back. Let's make sure you're fresh and ready to go for the playoffs. So I think him hitting 50 is a big mark, and they'll want him to get that. Mm-hmm. But hitting 60, I think, is a little more superfluous right now. And I'm sure Matthews would agree that you know his focus is going deep in the playoffs. So it's a matter of preparing yourself and being ready for the postseason rather than hitting sixty, but I mean, he's got the capability, and if he did it, you know, next year I would not be shocked either. Yeah, so uh, I, I kind of agree. Like the players will always say, "Oh, personal
1: goals are not that important," but it's like you look look at Matthews when he scores; he celebrates. He, oh yeah. He, he and like Ovechkin can have this thing where they they really are thrilled to score. Yeah. And it's so much fun to see players like that. Yeah. And, and, and it's someone where the. Uh, Matthews, I don't have the specific number in front of me, but Matthews plays really well at home. He scores a lot of goals at home. And there's a lot of home games over the next two months because they been making up for some time. Uh, yeah, not that that's an actual real thing. He's going to play better specifically at home, but it's something where Matthews, I think he'll hit 60 in his career. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it's going to be something where, if it's not this year, maybe it's next year. But it, the fact is that, like, you look how good he was last year. You look how good he's been this year. He's so important to that Leafs team. And there's a lot of talk about MVP candidates, and he's definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. He's not my pick. Um, and, you know what, it's, it wasn't supposed to be my next topic, but it's, I guess it's a decent segue. Um, speaking of MVP potential, Igor Shosturkin, Mm-hmm. Very incredible this year. But goaltenders typically have a much harder time at winning the Hart Trophy because you play a lot fewer games. Mm. But when you look at the numbers he's had, like he's having like one of the best seasons we've seen in like 20 years from a goaltender. Yeah. And it's something where this is a guy that we knew was going to be huge when he finally made it to the NHL. He was going to have an incredible counter kind of run. He was so good in the KHL, very good with the Russian national team. Now he's playing really strong with the New York Rangers. He's getting these opportunities. Mm. Um, I guess what would it take for a goalie in your mind to be kind of a clear favorite to win the Hart Trophy these days?
0: Yeah, so I think Shesterkin's a very good candidate to win the Hart Trophy this year uh, for a number of factors. So the New York Rangers are one of the worst possession teams in the NHL right now. I think maybe only Arizona's worst. New York's like 31st in the league. They give up way more high danger chances then they create their bottom 10 in the league when it comes to that but mm-hmm. their high danger save percentage is top 10 in the league which obviously speaks to their goaltending so on top of that you got Sh- Shishterkin with a 942 save percentage right now mm-hmm. the only other regular goalie that's even at 930 is Vili Husso in St. Louis and Vili Husso has played roughly half the yep. workload so you're looking at a goaltender that is leagues ahead of anyone else right now. So for me, I would say, you know, I mean, the Rangers, you know, assuming they make, make the playoffs, that's a pretty easy assumption. I think they're going to make the playoffs and it, it won't be too close. Um, you know, so they're a playoff team. So check mark there, you know, they'll probably have home ice advantage. So another check mark there, you know, Shesterkin's going to have a ton of wins. If his save percentage is even 935 at the end of the year and no one else is even at 930 and you have all those other stats that, are, that remain pretty much static where the Rangers are, you know, giving mm-hmm. up a lot, not having the puck much, but still having a lot of success, um, then I think that that's a pretty great case. Mm-hmm. And, you, know, we, you know, you mentioned Matthews, um, you know, obviously. There has been talks about, you know, what do you do about McDavid and Drysaddle as well. And, you know, Hubert has been in the conversation for some people. Johnny Gaudreau's in the conversation mm-hmm. for some people. I think when you look at forwards, it's always about point differential for me. Um, how, how far are they from their teammates? How much contributions do they make at the other end of the ice? Um, you know, all that sort of thing. How close are they to their nearest competitors? For example, um, this year I think there's some some really great candidates, but you know what Shosturkin's doing in net is really making the Rangers look good, and to me that's a, a really good qualification for the heart. Yeah, and he's looking like he's going to win the Bessent Trophy, and this is something where
1: with him it's it, you can't. It, it, if you look at how important he's been, and the the, the phrase for the Hart Trophy has kind of been the most important to your team, and this is someone who's been so important to the New York Rangers. Oh, yeah. This is a team where you look at last year defensively, they were ugly. year before that, pretty poor defensively. There, there's still some questions there, but Shashurkin's been out there to bail. And you, you could have really decent surface goalie stats and have poor analytical stats, the deeper stats. Mm-hmm. Um but he's good at both, and he's yeah. near the top of everything, and like that's a sign of okay, this guy's so important. But at the same time, you look at McDavid and you look at Dreissel, and We'll talk about them later. Um, two guys that are playing like you would expect of two of the best players in the world, and they're you. you it's like it, for as good as Shostak is, you can't say okay, well, we expect McDavid and, and Dreisel to be this good always. Uh, mm. We'll give it to Shostak, or we'll give it to Huberto, or we'll give it to whoever. Um, but when you look at that, it's like. They, the whole thing of them potentially canceling themselves out like, you, the one's already amazing. Do you even need the other guy? Like, it, mm. it's something there, but the Rangers don't necessarily have that, and, and they're still a really good team. Where I, th- I picked them to win the 2024 Stanley Cup last year, so quite early in advance. Uh, I also expected Lafreniere to be a little better than he was going to be, but he's 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 picked you, up a, you still have time, yeah, and he, <laughs> yeah, he's still quite young. Um, but, um so, I, I do think there for Shusterkin, there's a huge case where the stats are definitely there. And, and yeah, he hasn't played as many games, but if you also look in the context of their own team, like his stats are near the best goaltending wise, and Georgiev's near the bottom. Mm. So, like when he's in there, he's making that much of a difference where the same team are front, and one goalie is significantly outperforming the other goalie. Now, that also can't say, okay, well, one goalie's not that great, so that's not really fair, but is just been so important for this rangers team where yeah. we, we are talking about them as not a stanley cup favorite but a true contender sure and when they, all they need to do is just get hot in the playoffs we know how good adam fox is we know how good their offense could be we know how good just herkins obviously been so he, to me i think he's under the term of Hart trophy i think he's the most valuable player but there's a lot of other things out there like Matthews and McDavid um, and, uh, and Dreisaitl 1 and 2 in scoring and then you've got Matthews who's playing as good as he is yeah. you've got Huberto who's been as good as he is um, so it, it's a tough one but I think uh, he, he's to me he has to be a finalist
0: yeah um, but
1: I also get the reason why he wouldn't be so
0: yeah and again you know I mean if the Oilers miss the playoffs then you can pretty much knock McDavid and Dreisaitl out of the race uh, at least for me because how valuable can you you know how valuable can you be if your team doesn't even make the playoffs? And I know that's not their fault. Oh, no. uh, it's goaltending in defense if you're the Oilers. But still, you play to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder, too, if, if McDavid or Dreissel win the Art Ross and Matthews wins the Rocket Richard Trophy, I wonder if a lot of voters, even though Shosturkin will most likely win the Vesna, I wonder if a lot of voters will say, like, well, those guys got their awards, Shosturkin, you know, that's sort of the tiebreakers. Shestergan deserves an award, out, you know, outside of the Vesna. Everybody's kind of covered off for the great seasons they've had. I'm just that—that's me philosophizing about the the minds of voters. See, see, NHL teams kind of realized a while ago that starting a goalie
1: 77 times in a year and having like Curtis McElhaney in Calgary or like Scott Clemenson in, in New Jersey as your backups wasn't really the way to go. Um, but it's something where, like, almost for the Rangers, it's like you guys would be even better if he was playing seventy games. And right. it's Like, I go, it's Cam Talbot did it a couple of years ago. He played like seventy something games, I believe, for the Oilers. But um, it's like the the Oilers. They've got two of the best players, and they've, like you said, it's like if they miss the playoffs because their goaltending defense were a total mess, it's like yeah. that's going to look like a total disaster once again, yeah. where you just need a goalie who just could be better than average at that point, yeah. and the offense will make it work. We saw against that series against Chicago um, in, in the bubble where McDavid was playing some of the best hockey you've ever seen him play, but it didn't matter because the Blackhawks just figured out how to beat up the goaltending. If they just had that, maybe we're talking about McDavid and Dysol being the shoe wins every year, but um, – it is what it is i guess indeed all right we're going to talk about uh, tim stutzla uh this is someone where the stats statistically is pretty funny for 53 games he has the same number of goals assists and points um in his first two years 29 points um so it, he he could hit 40 points this year but i think the kind of the thing is we expected more for a guy who looked almost pretty nhl ready kind of when he went in. and obviously the pandemic and he hasn't had a proper full season yet in the mm-hmm. NHL like we've talked to Lafreniere and other prospects um but or other young guys but I guess some Suns fans are kind of hoping for a bit more out of him so I guess when you look at his career today what can you make of it
0: it's funny I I don't have any issues with how stutzel has been playing and and his production you know I mean this is his second NHL season Sophomore slump's a real thing, and I don't think he's even had a sophomore slump. You know, the it's, fact it's, that he's, statistically it's been the
1: same as his rookie season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he
0: has not taken a step back, and you know, uh, as you mentioned, you know, uh, with the the pandemic shortened campaign last year, he's still getting into that NHL routine, yep. and I don't think he's hitting a wall. I think he's okay. I think you look at Ottawa. It's such a young offensive attack. Like all their best scorers are really young guys. It's going to take some time for them to get their man strength. You know, other than Brady Kachuk, he's fine in that regard. But, you know, for a lot of the other guys, they're still getting bigger and stronger and learning how to play against NHL competition full time. And this was always going to be a long term project in Ottawa. And I think it's going okay right now. Yeah, they're taking their lumps, but the young guys are playing a lot and they're contributing and you know, okay. So Stussela hasn't like broken out for, you know, sort of a prorated 60 point season yet. I think that's okay. I think Mm -hmm. next year is the year where you start to think about expectations and say, okay, can we get a 65, maybe even 70 point season next year as these players and line mates continue to mature. So I, I don't have any worries right now. I think, you know, right now Ottawa's just get experience, learn the league, learn to play with each other and you know, sort of bond and form a culture and I I think they're all right. I know
1: like Ottawa fans and Detroit fans are two those are two places where it's like, dang, this is kinda hard to watch where it's like they're they got these young guys who are good but we're losing a lot. Yeah, and the goaltending's not always great, blah blah blah. But it's like the it's almost like they're development paradises for those teams because yeah. you, you they're they're getting the opportunities. And there's no pressure. Like in Detroit specifically, Lucas Raymond and, and Mort Sider have basically been the MVPs for that team. Yeah. And they're rookies. Um, so for Ottawa, it's been good that stutzl has been able to get all these opportunities. Personally, I kind of was hoping we'd see him kind of take control a bit more and be more of this offensive force. But like you said, it's his second year. It's his first full-time season in the NHL. And um, it's something where we, he could be, like in his own age group, he's one of the best players. And we saw that at the World Juniors. We saw him just absolutely just save Germany. Season. Yeah. Uh, also, quick shout out to Kyrgyzstan who just won their uh, the Division Four World Championship. The first time that's ever happened. Uh, and Iran came number two. And uh, we still have to find out who's going to be number three. But um, I just thought of that because of uh, incredible performances. There was one guy on on Krigerstan who scored like five or six goals today and a fifteen nothing win. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of want to see. St- students will take a huge step like next year, maybe there's yeah 60, 70-point season. But then also that brings the question, uh, and we brought this up in the Prospect podcast kind of shortly after Guthrie got drafted, but what type of ceiling are we? Are you thinking here for him kind of when he fully hits his mark?
0: I think ceiling-wise, you could I can see like an 80-point guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's suited more to the wing. There's been some dalliances with center in his career, but I think, you know, you, you have him on the wing, and you know he can be a strong you know offensively inclined guy great motor uh, great skill but yeah i think i think 80 points consistently is a good mark for him i'm going
1: kind of 70 points but he'll be like Always hitting seventy, he's not mm. going to like fluctuate and be like eighty, sixty. It's like he'll be kind of like just he, his he he can be this consistent goal scorer uh, at other levels, and obviously it's tough to evaluate that going here. But it's like you could see there's just these things of talent. He's had some unlucky moments. Yeah. It hasn't always been his fault. But uh, I, I'm Ottawa's got a good future. For Let's sure. just say that. Yeah, as they got to figure out the goaltending situation, uh, and they got some good options. Yeah, um, but. They'll figure it out. And again, Ottawa Senators, uh, as tough as it might be to watch at points now, the game against Vegas was not beautiful. Um, they, uh, It's it's all just about kind of getting these young guys opportunities that uh, we've seen in look at Montreal where Cole Caulfield wasn't getting those opportunities at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. You just got to give these guys chances. Speaking of the Vegas Golden Knights, Eichel is back, and he's still trying to get his footing back, uh, but he's looking good. He's, mm-hmm. he's had some good games. I believe he's had uh, five points in eight games or so. Um, Assuming this team could kind of stay healthy and that's something where they've been missing kind of key player after key player, do you like Vegas's chances at being a true Cup contender this year? Uh, you know... And Edward Frazier of the Hockey News uh, said today he's still picking uh, Vegas to win the Cup.
0: Did he? Excellent. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm just not sure. Because um, I really like Colorado right now and I really like Calgary right now. I think the Flames... As good as they've been, I almost feel like this team will be even better in the postseason, mm-hmm. just because of how heavy they are. Well, we, I thought we said that a couple years ago. Well, a lot of people are saying that a couple years ago, When they went up there and won the
1: conference, and then uh, yeah. they just kind of fell flat.
0: Well, if they won the conference. Oh, you mean in the regular season? Yeah, regular season. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just feel this team is built better. And maybe because it's a Daryl Sutter coached team, and he's a guy that has had success in the playoffs with big, heavy teams— uh, infused with skill, obviously. Um, yeah, because the big X factor with Vegas is like, how do all the stars fit together? So hypothetically, having Eichel and Mark Stone and Patriotty and Petrangelo and everybody else they have uh, is great. But we actually haven't, we haven't seen Eichel and Stone on the ice at the same time, and we're not going to for a while. So it's really hard to predict... How good this Golden Knights team is, and how they react in a seven-game series. Um, I, you know, I, obviously they're a very good team, but uh, I'm. I just, if I'm going to be conservative about it, the two teams in the West that I'm most intrigued by are Colorado and Calgary, and they just so happen to play each other in an incredible game mm-hmm. this past Saturday. We need uh, more of that. <laughs> more of that all the time. Johnny Gaudreau ended it amazingly, you know, or very early in overtime. But those would be the two, the, the abs and flames to me are like the true contenders. Yeah, those those are the two teams. And there's people saying like,
1: oh, look at the flames. Like they play a lot against a pretty poor division. Yeah, but they're beating everybody else. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but like, with Vegas, like if, if this team was fully healthy, they've got the talent. And, and when you knew that when they brought in Eichel, it's like they were taking this seriously. Because oh, yeah. even though they've been competitive since day one, this is going to hurt them in the long run when they're not kind of getting those prospects coming in and, yep. and they're not really being able to develop because we've never seen a team um, in the last, I don't know, what, 100 years basically be this good right off the bat um, because it's really hard to do that, and Seattle's proven that right now. Um, so their window is going to start to slow down, and it kind of looked like last year. It's like, okay, all you got to do is beat them on get And then they lost. And it's like – Okay, that was a wake-up call. Now you really kind of have to figure this one out. And I think that this could be something where uh, I, I I really like this team on paper. And they my Stanley Cup prediction for the second year in a row was Tampa versus uh, Vegas, oh. knowing that Colorado was probably if, – if Colorado – if Vegas had any hitches along the way, Colorado was mm. going to be there. And this was before Eichel. Eichel makes this team a lot more dangerous. And now that Eichel yeah. – when Eichel gets back to his full – competitiveness and full strength. And it was mentioned a few weeks ago in the podcast. It's like, um, you got to be worried about his physicality the first few games and just being kind of just like, he hasn't played a lot of hockey in a long time. Mm-hmm. But now he's starting to figure it out. He's starting to look like we, what we know Jack Heichel can do. And if this team is ready to go, they'll be ready to go. And it's almost like something like, man, I wish you guys still had Marc Andre flurry because that would <laughs> probably, well, not solve a lot of things, but like the, having a good backup goalie there would really help too. But uh, I think that I still like Vegas up. Op- like if I had to take a guess, I, I, I don't know. A full strength Vegas Golden Knights team, I think, could beat Calgary. At the same time, though, Calgary is just like kind of unstoppable right now. And and I'm also like I was convinced that when they hired Sutter, it was kind of like, uh, you know what? It's the middle of the pandemic. We can't find another coach. It's too hard to get this guy a guy from the states. We're just gonna stick with the guy who's local.
0: Yeah, and that's he's been amazing. <laughs> He's been brilliant, and I think it's his ability to adapt to the game. And, you know, I think that was a big question for a lot of people is, oh, you know, isn't Sutter more of an old-school guy? Like, has the game passed him by? Nah, he's adapted, and he has – he's – you know, Brad Treleving has given him a roster that he can get the most out of. And you you look at Hannafin, you look at Shillington, you look at Zadoroff and Good Branson, like – All of these guys had lots of question marks around them in different parts of their career. Some all the way up until this year. Sutter has masterfully deployed them. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for the Flames' success because he has figured out how to deploy this team in the best means possible.
1: My pick to win the Stanley Cup is still in the East. It's still Tampa Bay. Uh, And I never pick repeat champions because statistically that's never a good thing. Yeah. But... At the same time, just this is a team that didn't had some turnover, but not enough turnover to kill this team, and they're still mm. looking really good. So, uh, but the West is way more fun. Yeah. He's it's going to be down to the wire to see who makes those final few teams or few spots. Vegas might not even make that, it. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. It's just again, they, they, this is a team that struggled to get a full like proper line. Like yeah. Chandler Stephenson's the top scorer on the team, and for as wow. good as like that's that's a. A team with Mark Stone and and, and Pacioretty and, yeah. and now and all these guys. If Chandler Stevenson's your top scorer, something has kind of gone wrong. Something Steve's a miss. He's been good, but yeah. it's a team that hasn't had a really like the the best lineup at all times. So uh, I will. That's a team I couldn't I could see maybe looking for the goaltender on the goal on the uh, trade market. Uh, let's talk viewer questions. String bean make cat dog. Uh, great name uh, from youtube mcdavid and Saddle are on pace for 117 points this year how many do they finish with
0: i'm actually gonna say about 120 each because this is kind of the opposite of the matthews situation that we talked about earlier with the oilers they're gonna have to play every game (laughs) this season in order to ensure that they get into the playoffs if they get into the playoffs because again we're looking at that wild card crossover with the central. So it's not Edmund, Edmonton doesn't just have to fend off and deal with Vegas in their own division. They have to think about Dallas over in the central. So it's not a clear path for the Oilers. So they're going to need maximum McDavid, maximum Drysdale, you know, those guys are going to have to play a ton of hockey from here on out. They already play a ton of hockey, but yeah, that's that's a duo where they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to make up for some, you know, inefficiencies on that squad, and they're gonna do so by scoring a lot of goals.
1: They're gonna to have to win a lot of games, like four, three, and seven, five, along. Totally. And it, yeah. it's because now it's in the desperate mode, and if they're not gonna go address their goaltending, they've had opportunities last few years. But if they're not gonna go out there and address their goaltending, they've they're gonna to have to figure out how to get these guys continuing to play at their level. So I think, yeah, this is the most important time for them going forward. And uh, so we'll kind of see how they handle that. I, I do think that, yeah, 120 points. If I had to make a pre- expected guess, I'm saying Dreissel to 121 and uh, McDavid 119, just okay. to be slightly different. There you uh, go. Because I doubt they're going to finish with exactly the same number of points. Uh, and uh, finally, your question is from Ricky Sampson. The Capitals are in another outdoor game. Why do the same teams keep playing in these games? Toronto's getting another outdoor game, and Buffalo's getting another outdoor Mm -hmm. game. And I think it's like we're at number 25 or 26 in terms of teams that are playing outdoor, with Carolina being there next year. Yeah. we Against the Capitals. (laughs) Against Washington. Uh, But it's like, I guess the short answer kind of has to be, it's the markets that that it works in. Like, the, the... Clearly, it's working. It's not like they're going to a losing market if they keep doing these outdoor games. Yeah,
0: it's, it's all about TV ratings. Um, you, know, you look at the market, and you know, you look at, well, with the American teams in particular, you look at the names that casual viewers will still know. So, you know, I mean, Chicago had a bunch of outdoor games because you know, it's like Patrick Kane. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, if you're a casual hockey fan, you know Patrick Kane, you know Jonathan Taves. You know Alex Ovechkin for the Washington Capitals. You know Sidney Crosby from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Pittsburgh, obviously, has played a bunch of outdoor games, too. So it's either market or star or a combination of both. So that's why we see a lot of Pittsburgh, Chicago, Philadelphia. You know, the Rangers have had some because, obviously, New York, giant market, and Washington being another one. So, I mean, that's the quick answer. You want to you wanna spread the love as much as you can, but realistically— these are showcase events for the NHL and you want to put your big names right on the marquee and that's where Washington obviously fits in
1: yeah so like it, they don't it, there could be an argument why are you not getting more like Vancouver why are you not getting more of these these other places but it's like you know it's working in Washington they've been a huge focus on building hockey in the states and these markets work and then those are the people who say there's too many outdoor games we need fewer it's like well the, it's, it's such a major money idea it's yeah. like um the one thing that really works in like I'm a big racing guy, but NASCAR recently had a race in um, L.A. Coliseum. So essentially a race in pretty much downtown L.A. Mm. Um, where they took the football stadium and made a racetrack. And you bring the the event to the people and they'll care. So you bring in these to these big places. It's They're going to continue doing it because they're getting like triple the attendance as you get in a regular game. Totally. And for the market, it cares. Yeah, sure. Uh, person in... And Anaheim's not going to care if the Capitals are another outdoor game, but you know it's for that market. It's huge. Yeah. There's almost an argument to be made. Let's get more outdoor games. As much as uh, I'm going to two next week, and uh, they're going to be very cold. And, yes. Uh, Good I'm luck with that. Not totally thrilled about uh, sitting under the cold, but it's it's a fun experience. Something where you got to go to an outdoor game. Pretty much any. Like, if you go to it once, but then you've kind of had it. You're done. All right, this is rapid fire. I'm rapid fire, let's do it. Uh, I did do the rapid fire once with Matt, where I actually asked the question. So right on. this would be my second time. Okay, your favorite fan experience at a hockey game, not as a writer, but as a fan.
0: As a fan, that's funny. Um, I mean, I'd have to go back to when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, going to Maple Leaf Gardens back when it was you know, back when it was in its heyday, and I think we were joking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, where it's like you know, the hallways were like blue with smoke because this was the 1980s and nobody <laughs> cared. So it's like you'd be going from one, you know, level to another and you couldn't even see what was going on there. And developed cancer on the way. Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, Knock on wood. But yeah, just that experience of like, especially because, you know, I lived in the suburbs. So it's like you go downtown and it's like you have dinner beforehand and like, go to your seats and the Leafs always lost back then. So that didn't matter, but it's like you get a mini stick or something as a souvenir. So those are the best fan experiences for me because yeah, I mean, these days I always, I'm always working when I go.
1: So I almost wanted to cheat for this one and say the, cause I didn't have anything to do on a particular, but was the PEP, uh, Uh, training camp. Powerage Pro scrimmage. Yeah, they had the scrimmage and that was like super cool. Yeah. I won't count that one. Uh, I would say the very first time I went to a Hamilton Bulldogs um, uh, teddy bear toss game. Oh, nice. I can't recall who it was against because I went to four or five of them, but the one thing was (laughs) if you went, they'd give you like uh, if you if you showed you brought like a stuffed animal, they'd give you tickets to two more games. So my wow. dad and I would go. and We would go to a ton of games. We weren't cities and ticket holders, but we would go to double digit games, an every year. And uh, back when they did the AHL team, and mm. this I always really enjoyed that. Nice. One singer, one guitarist, one bassist, one drummer. Pick your dream
0: band. Wow. Okay. So oh, well, is this like an arena rock band or just like any band?
1: Eh, it could be. It could be playing concerts, trying to get the most... Well, no. Your ideal band, I don't think it matters if they make any money or not.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Okay, so I would say singer, I'll go like Travis Ryan from Cattle Decapitation, because he can go, he he can do the guttural, he can do the highs, Mm -hmm. so you get some... He's very good, yeah. Yeah, you get both ends of the spectrum there. I would say, I mean, bass player, uh, I'm always gonna say less Claypool. but having listened to thundercat lately that would be kind of interesting as well although i don't know if he'd be into the rest of the band um drumming uh i'm actually uh, okay i'm gonna keep it metal i was gonna say steve shelley from sonic youth but that's kind of and he was in hardcore bands but i'm gonna go john stanier from helmet because he's a metal drummer not necessarily a fast drummer but i just love the way he plays and like guitarist that's kind of the hardest one i guess like I mean, I guess Scott Hull from Pig Destroyer would be the most obvious uh, for me. So, yeah, let's go with that. would be my super group. And uh, they would probably be very kind of like late 90s in what they put together, ironically. But oh, yeah, that'd fun group. I
1: think that would be good. So for me, there's a few obvious ones. Billy Joe Armstrong, uh, I will go as the singer. Yep. Um, there, there were a couple of other different options I could have gone there. I actually almost went with Demi Lovato. Fun fact, kind of to really change it up. Yeah. Uh, my uh, Slash as the guitar player. Nice. Uh, I'm looking for more like a a fun rock band than anything. Sure. Uh, Getty Lee as the bassist. Oh, that's a good one. And then the drummer, I actually came up with a couple options, but the three main options I had are all dead. <laughs> being uh, Joey Jordison from Slipknot fame, uh-huh. uh, Neil Peart, Rush. Right. And it's funny, that'd be two Rush guys, but I'm not a huge Rush fan. Uh, and number three being. Um, uh, the Rev from Avenged Sevenfold. Uh, mm-hmm. He was uh, that's one my very first favorite metal band. Um, I'm going to go with Chris Adler from uh, Lamb of God. Fame also protest the hero for a bit. Mm. The, he is to me he's one of the best when it comes to um, double bass drums, oh. uh, which is not very helpful with Slash, Geddy Lee, and Billy Joe. But uh, it, it's it, he's a very versatile drummer. He can kind of play anything. Uh, and he's not in Lamb of God anymore. But he that, he made the band for me when I got to see. Bullfriend Valentine, Lamb of God, and Slepton on in the same show. It's like three of my favorite drummers all in one place. Wow. It, it wasn't Joey George, and it was um, their the current drummer. But seeing those three guys there at one show, I was like, this is the coolest thing. And then there was Motionless and Wide, and they weren't any good. But, um, <laughs> your perfect international hockey tournament format.
0: Ooh. Um, I mean, I think the World Juniors is pretty good right now because it's not too long. The Worlds is too long, I feel. Yeah, I cover all 64 games, I could tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the World geners is like pretty solid. I guess the only thing would be that sometimes you kind of know what's going to happen in a lot of the games once you get to the metal round. But I'm not sure if there's anything you can really do about that. Um, maybe for fun you could do a 1 versus 8, 2 versus 7 kind of seeding. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, well, I guess they kind of do that anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the World Juniors is pretty much the perfect format right now. See, my format is it's perfect in my
1: mind, but it's stupid in reality. <laughs> uh, a 32 team international tournament, let's go yes. March Madness style. Yeah, that's my teams. You think about it; it's like you would get out there to be like Canada versus like Romania, and it's like well, we know the talent discrepancy is huge if you brought Canada's best team, but like Romania would like prepare for an entire year to just play defense, right? Right, <laughs> and just like. Dang, they, it's a 2 nothing score, but the shots were like... 90-4. Hmm. to four. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, Romania didn't take a shot after the second period, but yeah. it's like, uh, it, it would be kind of stupid, but it'd be cool to see just those other teams represented. It would be neat. In, yeah. It'll never happen. Yeah. Uh, worst concert you've ever been to? And, and look, to, to, I don't want to... No, like, random small band no one's ever heard of.
0: Like, it's got to be, like, uh. like, an
1: actual, like... Not a band playing the first show.
0: Fair enough. Okay, the one that sticks out for me, and I don't mind her now, but the first time I saw Peaches, I just thought it was really offensive uh, just because I felt like she was like taking a culture she wasn't part of and making fun of it, yep. that being hip-hop. Um, she definitely changed and sort of evolved over the years, and I actually saw her later on. With Eagles of Death Metal before they went all like right wing, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they were they were okay. But uh, the first time I saw Peaches, I was like visibly angry and complained about it to my friends.
1: I, I would say when I saw a Tragically Hit perform at uh, Dundas D- Square, but again, that's almost too easy for me. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Sloan. I've seen really? I've seen them play three times, all for free, and each time I was like, how do you guys get worse? <laughs> now, to be fair, they're old. They're like they're not a modern band, but it's like they're just. was hard to hear those bands. I couldn't even tell you their songs, but I've seen them out three times. Oh. Uh, but the one time I'd say I saw them worse was uh, it was Nathan Phillips Square, I believe, and I can't recall. I think it was like it was before Christmas. I, it was maybe when they were doing a light show there. I can't oh, yeah. recall, but it was it was something related there. What's one European city you would love to see an NHL game
0: played in? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, okay, now. Just for clarification, is this based on it having a great fan base or growing the game? Fan base. Fan base. Or, oh, okay. or fun experience. Fun experience. Okay. So I guess that's kind of... Yeah, yeah. I think uh, probably somewhere... I think... You know what? Like I was going to say Germany because I bet they have a pretty fun atmosphere. But then I think like for the traditions, I'd like to see like a Swedish game between like two like hardcore SHL rivals. Cause I've seen international games in both Finland and Sweden. Like I've been to the world juniors in both countries and they're both great. Um, But to see like an actual SHL game uh, in Sweden, I think that would be awesome. And then the other thing, it can't happen right now. Maybe it'll happen soon in the future. Like a a Helsinki Derby game between Jokerit and HIFK. Now, right now they're in different leagues, but I wonder if Jokerit might come back to Finland from the KHL. That's true. Yeah, we we don't know. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm gonna go with uh, Davos in Switzerland. Of like, course, one of my favorite places. It just looks so cool. Um, uh, there's also like the case for a lot of places in like Denmark or Latvia because you get those like the fans traveling to all the World Championship games, no matter what.
0: Latvia would be great too. Riga
1: kind of got screwed during the World Championships, where like the I believe they were allowed have fans like the very end of the tournament. Oh yeah, uh, I can't recall. Exactly, but it's like Latvia goes out there and beats Canada in the first game of the World Championship at home. Biggest win this country ever has, yeah. And it was uh, match with uh, Kivilenki in it, and it was it was great. It was one of his last wins, unfortunately, but uh, that was that was a pretty cool game. And this one, which Avenger could you most
0: successfully beat in a fist fight? Oh, I mean Hawkeye is always the answer. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, he's the most mortal of all of them. Although, I mean, actually, you know what? I'm going to retract that and say Tony Stark. Because if he's not in his Iron Man suit, okay. he doesn't actually have any like powers or whatnot. That, that, that's a very good. I amount. just punch him in the chest. I'm going to play dirty. See, I, I'm just going to cheat and say I'll just fight the Hulk because it'll be very
1: quick—a quick loss for me, and oh. I don't have to worry about it. I'm, oh, I I'm, see. I'm just waiting right in the hospital, right? <laughs> if gotcha, I should gotcha. just to save the time, don't have to worry about it. the hospital if you're lucky. Well, that—that that, that is true. Yeah, he—he yeah. he could stomp on me a Die just as quick. So uh, I, I have no chance. Uh, but yeah, that's it for the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Ryan, of course. Thank you very much, everyone who's watched or listened, and we'll see you again soon.